Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? If you, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8, your mobile devices, or if you have one of the Bibles provided, that's page 200, page 200. So while you're turning there, did anybody recognize the drummer this morning? If you, did, if, if you didn't know, that was our pastor, Pastor Doug on the drums this morning. Yeah, give him a hand. Absolutely. He asked me to speak this week, and I said, well, can you play drums? So we made a deal, and here we are. Good to go. Yeah, I'm honored to speak and uh, grateful to speak in this series called Greatest Hits. I'm also very intimidated to speak in a series called Greatest Hits. I kind of consider myself maybe at best a one-hit wonder, so we'll, we'll see how things go. Um, you know, I'm talking about the X factor of corporate worship this morning, X factor of corporate worship, and worship and corporate worship, this, this has been my passion for many years, I've been leading worship for 12 years in the church, got a lot of thoughts on that I want to share with you this morning. In fact, uh, my family and I, we moved here from Florida uh, to Colorado two and a half years ago, and when I got here, they had me speak on this then, and it's been kind of cool to uh, reflect and to look forward and see what God has done uh, in these last two and a half years. I mean, when I came here, uh, the church was averaging about 650 people on a Sunday, two services. Now we average over 1,000, three services, hundreds of people being saved every year, hundreds of people being baptized, uh, people joining our church, people getting discipled, being in small groups. So God is moving here. He's doing great things in this place, and I think it's appropriate if we just, can we just celebrate that this morning? Isn't that, that awesome? Well, we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 8. That's going to be kind of our, uh, our uh, plan this morning to look over this, this passage. And it will give us a great picture of corporate worship. Uh, the context is the walls uh, have been rebuilt in Jerusalem. God's people are out of captivity and they're thirsty for the word of God. And we have to understand they didn't have access to the word of God like we do, like on our, our cell phones or our smartphones. Or we can go into a bookstore and there's tons of Bibles to pick from. They did not have the Bible. They were in captivity for about 70 years. So they're coming out of this captivity. They're ready to worship. They're ready to hear the Word of God and ready to respond. So let me ask you, are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? You ready? To... Awesome, awesome. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Nehemiah 8, 1 and 2. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And uh, we see some symbolism here with the water gate. This, this uh, water gate was symbolism of the Word of God. We can't survive without water, the water of life. And, and just like as believers, we can't survive without the Word of God. It was a great symbol there that they could see. And this goes on to say, And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. This morning we're going to see in uh, Nehemiah 8 this great picture of corporate worship. And it's really it's a picture of people responding to God's word. And that's what corporate worship is really all about. My, my brother Richard, he led worship this morning. Um, he and I are going through a book together called Worship Matters by a guy named Bob Coughlin. And just this week, uh, we read this in our chapter. It says, he said, uh, true worship is always a response to God's Word. Last week we answered the question, can we really trust God's Word? We talked about trusting in God's Word, and this week 
we're going to be looking at responding to God's word. Now, this is in your notes. As I studied Nehemiah, one commentator said this, and this is really important for us to remember. If God is to work in and through his people, then they must respond positively to his word. And this is also in your notes. Corporate worship is God's people coming together to respond to his word. Corporate worship is all about us coming together, responding to God, responding to his power, responding to his word with worship together. Verse 1, it said they gathered together there in Nehemiah 8. They gathered together. Great picture of corporate worship. So this morning, I want to give you four X factors of corporate worship Four X factors of basically responding to God's word. And number one is this, examine, examine. That's number one. So let's look in verse two, Nehemiah eight. He said that all who could hear with understanding. These people came together to worship the Lord, to respond, not only gather together, but to come together with a heart that came to hear with understanding. They examined themselves and they said, I want to be here, I want to hear, I want to listen. But not only that, I want to hear with understanding. And for us to do that, we have to examine our hearts. We have to examine our lives. We have to examine ourselves. So by a raise of hand this morning, how many would consider yourself a true worshiper? Just raise it up nice and high. You're a true worshiper, nice and high. Keep them up. Keep them up. Okay, we are taking a count here. Keep them up, please. Because... Uh, we're going to move all of you to the front from now on every Sunday. So, so that was a trick question. That was a trick question. Because whether you know this or not, we are all worshipers. We are all worshipers all the time. We all worship someone or something all the time. When uh, I felt called to be a worship leader about... 13 years ago, I finally surrendered to the call of that. I remember I was excited. I was like, okay, I want to study. I want to learn. I want to know what it takes to be a worship leader. So I go into this bookstore, and I, the first thing I see on a bookshelf, no lie, was this book called The Complete Worship Leader. And I'm like, okay, I'll get that. I'll buy it, and I'll read it. And so that's what I did. The author, is, his name is Kevin Navarro. And uh, coincidentally, he actually lives here in our area, and I'm excited to actually meet him soon, but uh, he said something that stuck with me, and I think will stick with all of you, and we need to all remember this. He said this, every human being is a worshiper. The Bible tells us that if we do not worship the creator, we will worship the creation. Our hearts will move from a vertical posture to a horizontal posture. And you can look this up later if you like. Romans 1, this is a great passage on worship. Romans 1, 18 through 25, Paul tells us that, you know, we all worship all the time. And in fact, he goes to the extent of saying, God's, we have no excuse but to worship God. We have no excuse. We see the wonders in the heavens and we have no excuse but to worship God. But too often times we trade worshiping the creator for worshiping God. The creation. He said very clearly in that passage that we trade the truth for a lie. So before we can worship God together, corporately, uh, we need to examine our hearts, examine our motives, and we need to ask, this is, this is in your notes, am I worshiping the creator or 
the creation? Am I worshiping the creator or the creation? Now, when I say creation, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I mean, uh, this is, I'm not saying uh, tree hugger or anything like that. I, I'm, I'm saying anything other than God. Everybody say anything. Anything other than God. Are we worshiping the creator or are we worshiping the creation? You think about anything. I think a lot of us uh, get excited about money, maybe possessions, things we have, sports. I don't think we have a too bad of a problem in Denver with sports, I don't think. <laughs> maybe, maybe we worship family sometimes. Maybe we put friends or family in front of the creator. Worshiping the creation or the creator. We need to examine our hearts. That's the first thing. Examine our hearts, our lives, and ask ourselves these tough questions. Who or what am I worshiping? It's not whether I'm worshiping or not. It's whether I'm worshiping God or not. We need to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 says this, But let a man, what? Examine himself. You know, we think about worship. A lot of times we tend to think of music. It's kind of our first thought. Which music is an awesome way to worship the Lord. That It's a gift from God, music. And to sing songs to Him is such a, uh, a natural way to worship the Lord together. But hear me out, church. Music is not everything. And worship is so, so much bigger than music. How many are great singers in here? Anybody who raises their hands is an egomaniac, by the way. You know, we can't all sing, we can't play instruments, but we can all worship the Lord. Amen? And that's what he's called us to do. Worship is more than music. Worship is life. It's a lifestyle. I love 2 Corinthians, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, And he died for all, that those who live should, know, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Corporate worship, us coming together to worship the Lord together, will only mean something if we live out the songs that we sing. And it will do wonders uh, in our life, in our church's life, if we live out those lyrics. I mean, you think about the songs that we sang this morning. I was thinking about Hosanna. I was out here worshiping with you all and uh, singing those lyrics, Break my heart for what breaks yours. And then it goes on to say, Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Wow, that's heavy. Can you imagine if every believer left church living out the lyrics that we sing? Can you imagine just us if we left this place today and lived out that one lyric, everything I am for your kingdom's cause? We'd see a difference. We'd see a difference in our lives individually. We'd see a difference in our church corporately worshiping together. Because God would be doing a great work in our life and in our church's life. So we need to ask ourselves the tough questions. Am I living out the words that I'm singing because I'm going to either be worshiping the creator or the creation? Louis Giglio, great author, pastor, said this. Every day, everybody say every day. Every single day there is a war for your worship. Every day. Now you think about the heaviness of that. Think about the spiritual battles that are going on in your life, even right now. There's a war for your worship, for your adoration. And God, Scripture tells us, is jealous for our love. He's jealous. He wants our worship 
to himself, not because he needs it, because he wants it, because he loves us that much. Every day is a war for our worship. So we need to examine ourselves and ask those tough questions. Am I living these songs out? Am I living out what I'm proclaiming? Am I living out the messages that I'm hearing on Sunday and the notes that I'm writing down? Am I applying them to my life? Because if I am, I'm worshiping the Creator and not the creation. And that's the question we have to ask. Am I worshiping the Creator or the creation? Examine ourselves. That's number one. Number two is this. Expect. Expect. And we're going to look at verse 3 in chapter 8 here in Nehemiah. Verse 3. Then Ezra, then he read from, an in, from the word of God. He read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Did everybody catch that? So basically, what I've been studying and reading, uh, there's an estimation that they were there listening to six hours of preaching. That's the estimation. Did everybody hear me on that? Six hours of preaching. I hope Ezra was good, you know. But I don't think that really mattered so much. Let's, let's keep reading verse 3. Morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were what? Okay, if you didn't answer that, you're not being attentive. And the ears of all the people were what? Attentive to the book of the law. They were attentive. They came expecting. They came expecting something great that day. Being in captivity for all those years. Coming out, they couldn't wait to hear the word of God. They came attentive. They came expecting great Things. Uh, my former pastor's wife in uh, Florida, she said something that stuck with me and will always stick with me. She says, there's two kinds of people that come to church, two types. The first type is those that come expecting great things. They come expecting. The other type is those that come inspecting. You catch that? So there's people that come expecting uh, God to do amazing things, and then there's some that come inspecting what everybody else is doing. Expecting or inspecting. An inspector's job is to do what? Find faults, right? Flaws, problems. And if you, will come, if you come in Orchard Church week after week and you come inspecting, you will find faults. You will find flaws. You will find imperfections. We are not a perfect church. If you find a perfect church, I would warn you to be careful because you may be drinking Kool-Aid down the road a little bit. Okay? There's no perfect church and we certainly aren't the exception when you come in orchard church you're going to find flaws if you're looking for them if you come inspecting you will find flaws in any church you go to but if you come expecting you will find great things from god every time if we come with an expectant heart examining ourselves and coming in and going i'm ready for what god is going to say to me today that's expecting that's being attentive you know, churches are funny. Church people are funny. We come in it's inspecting all kinds of stuff. The sound is too loud or the sound is too soft or, I, you know, we come in and we go, man, it's, it's a little chilly in here or I wish it was warmer. It's too hot in here and we complain and inspect and it's just crazy. Well, I don't like the series we're in right now or I don't like these types of messages or I don't, who's speaking today? Let me see who's speaking. Oh, it's, it's Gary. Oh. Well, he's a nice guy, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll tough through it. It's just one week. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God is powerful? 
Do you believe his word is true? Do you believe his, his word is powerful? Then maybe, just maybe, maybe we're the problem. Just maybe. If his, God, if his, if his word is faithful... And corporate worship is about coming and responding to his word and his power and his presence. And we are not faithful all the time? Then maybe, just maybe, we're the problem. We're looking for flaws in everything else except ourselves. You come in and say, man, the worship just wasn't as, I don't know, man, something about it just wasn't as powerful today. Something about it. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if the songs were not good enough or I can't figure it out. Maybe, maybe God is moving every week, but we're not. You know, maybe, maybe God is doing great things and he's steadfast and faithful and maybe we're moving away from him. Maybe we're turning away from him. I remember this story about this old couple uh, they had just left the church service. They get in their car, and they sit in their seats, and they're waiting to get out of the parking lot, and they see this uh, young couple in love pull in front of them, and the lady is sitting like in the middle part of the seat, and he's got his arm around her, and they're just really lovey-dovey and gushy and all that kind of stuff. And, and the, the old lady in the, in the car looks to her husband, and she's like, why don't we ever do that anymore? We, you used to put your arm around me. You, we used to be lovey-dovey like that. What happened? What's your problem? Ah, she's just getting, going on and on about him. He just, he just kept his head forward, hand on the steering wheel, said, I haven't moved. <laughs> you know, sometimes we come in and we inspect and we criticize and we find faults. And if we have the word of God, and we have, if we have God, somebody told me this once, if God's in it, it's going to be great. If God's in charge of it, it's going to be great. We need to quit inspecting, and we need to start expecting more and more and more. We need people that are coming in expecting great things from a great God. That's what these people did in verse 3. They were coming expecting. They became attentive to the word of God. And we need to ask ourselves, and this is in your notes, Am I expecting or inspecting? That's the tough questions we need to ask ourselves. Am I expecting or am I inspecting? I remember uh, I went to Africa in 2009 and uh, visited a church there in Africa. And I remember I was thrown off because I walked in. I remember thinking, man, I'm like way early and I'm not the first person here right now. I was supposed to lead worship that morning. There was people already there in their seats just facing forward, ready to go, waiting, expecting. And I went to the back and I tuned my guitar. And uh, they, they didn't have any uh, sound system. They didn't have air conditioning or anything like that. And it was hot, by the way, in Africa. And um, I remember they had like a little Casio keyboard on the side. That's pretty much all they had. And I remember hearing somebody tinkering around on it, and it was awful. I mean, whoever was playing it, it was real bad, real bad. Didn't have any business playing it. Then all of a sudden I heard singing. And I came and I walked out and I look. And these people are fully engaged. And this is like 20 minutes before the service starts. Fully engaged in worship with this horrible Casio keyboard player. And they were in awe of God in that moment. 
man, I wish we could say that about America. I wish we could say that about American churches. But unfortunately, we got to do a lot of stuff to get you guys in here and get excited. Can I give you a little secret? I'll tell you one of our tricks we do. We do this thing called a pre-service jam. And we do this about a minute before each service every week. And the whole thing is we just get up there and we, we jam out for about a minute. And the whole point is just to trick you all into coming and worshiping with us. That's the whole point. It's a sad commentary. But we're not alone. I mean, this is just a problem in our American churches these days. And we need more and more Christians coming to church expecting God to do great things because He will. His mercies are new every day. So may we get up expecting that. May we get up expecting great things from our great God coming ready, coming attentive like they were here in verse 3, coming thirsty for the water of life, for the word of life, for the word of God, and ready to respond with worship. So expect. So we need to examine our hearts, expect great things from God. Number three is a wonderful word called exude. Exude. Everybody say exude. Exude. Let's look at verse 4 and 5 here in Nehemiah. It says, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they made, had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood all these names that I will not pronounce today, because you will forget them. But if you would like some future baby names, feel free to underline, highlight, refer back to that. Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people did what? Stood up. I mean, think about it. They hadn't had the word of God for a long time. And the book was open and they stood up. They could not contain themselves. Everybody say that word exude again. No, no, no. See, here's the thing. You have to say this word with meaning because there's a lot of meaning in this. So I'm gonna, I'll give you uh, an example. Exude. All right, everybody say that. Yeah, okay, so guys, I'm going to give you a little tip today. So you go to lunch, you turn to your wife. Because here's the meaning of exude. It means to ooze out, to ooze out. And I want you to turn to your wife, and I want you to look at her and say, Babe, my love, mm, it exudes for you. (laughs) I tried this with my wife this week didn't work out as I planned. I said, babe, I just want you to know, I appreciate you, I love you, and my, my love just truly exudes for you. And she said, ew. <laughs> so hopefully it works out better for you. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, The mouth speaks. And here's the thing, everybody. Worship, corporate worship, is it should be an overflow of our heart. So full that it oozes out, it exudes praise to our God. Corporate worship should be a moment where God's people come together. They gather together like they did in verse 1. Gather together to ooze out and exude the praise to God. It's an overflowing of hearts that have been with the Lord during the week. That's what it is. We come together and we ooze out, we exude our praise because you know what? We can't help it. Just like these people did. The word of God was open and what did they do? They stood up. Nobody had to get up and say, hey, everybody, please stand up. Come on, let's stand up. Let's worship together this morning. No, no, no. The word of God was open. They responded. They stood up. 
they couldn't help themselves. Where are we at with that? Where's our heart? Is it full of God during the week that we come in and we cannot wait? Wouldn't it be cool if everybody came in and beat the pre-service jam? How cool would that be? You you think about the Broncos. So let's just say you go to the first game of the year for the Broncos. The first snap, Peyton Manning throws a long ball into the end zone, touchdown, and you look around the stadium, everybody just goes like this. Good job, Peyton. Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful play. No, that'd be weird, right? Wouldn't that be weird if everybody did that? No, they don't need that. Everybody's just going to explode and go crazy because it's just oozing out of them, exuding, it's overflowing. They can't contain themselves when something like that happens. Then you think about the Rockies. So when you go to a Rockies game, you have like uh, on the, the, uh, the, the sign it says, they put things like louder, you know, because they want people to get louder. Because they need to put that on the sign. To get. Rockies aren't giving us a ton of stuff to cheer about right now. They even put like the words, on your feet. On your feet. Nehemiah, man, they didn't need that. They didn't need a sign. They all, you know what all they needed? They needed this right here. And they stood up. It overflowed. It oozed out. They couldn't wait but to respond to God. May we have that heart. May we have that heart that's overflowing with love and praise and adoration for God when we come in and we sing songs and we hear the word of God that we cannot help but ooze out and exude our praise to God. Amen, church? Amen. So that's number three, exude. So we need to examine ourselves. We need to expect great things from God. We need to exude, ooze out our praise to God and overflow with worship. Number four is the fun one. Number four, expression expression. How many would say you're kind of weak on expression? Just raise your hand. Some of you won't even raise your hand because you're so weak on expression this morning. Expression. There's something about expression in worship. There's something about lifting your hands or shouting or clapping or dancing or whatever it may be that allows us to express our praise to God. There's something freeing about that and it's biblical. There's different biblical expressions that God has given us. I mean, obviously, there's singing, there's clapping, there's shouting. We've got some shouters in here. And, we, and then, then there's bowing down. That's considered the most reverent kind of worship, is bowing down, the most reverent expression. And then we have dancing. Ooh, dancing. Um, yes, that's in the Bible. I remember somebody saying one time, man, if I get to heaven and find out dancing is okay, I'm going to be really mad at some people. Well, it is okay. We don't need to get to heaven. It's in the Bible. It's right here. It's a biblical expression of worship. And then probably our most popular kind is, is raising hands. And uh, that's, that's just a freeing kind of worship. And that's something that we do a lot here at Orchard Church. And some of you may be new to a church or Orchard Church or this kind of church and not used to all this expression of freedom. And you'd be like, man, what's, what in the world's all this raising hands thing about? Well, I got a video for you that may help you out this morning. All right. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Am I here? Sweet. 
Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you wanna go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow. We got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, Grace. Next one's hold my baby, hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. You're set. So hopefully that helped you and not hurt you, you know, for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, my first church, there was a lady who was really like insecure about expressing herself in worship, and I was always like challenging her with that, and she, it's like, the reason I challenged her is because she wanted to. I think when our heart is full of God and like overflowing, we want to express that worship, we want to be excited, but for whatever reason, reason we feel so awkward in church sometimes, you know, that just, that's so crazy. But uh, she used to, uh, the way she would express herself is she, we had these pews, and so she would put her hands down like that under the pews, behind the pews, so no one could see her. So she'd come up to me every, every once in a while and go, hey, I raised my hands today, I just wanted you to know. You couldn't see them, but they were, they were under there. <laughs> I called her the ninja worshiper, so. Let's look at uh, verse 6 here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6. You know, they, they, the word of God has been opened They've stood up, they've, they're ready to respond, and we see the culmination here in verse 6. It says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered what, church? And amen, while lifting up their hands and bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. There's something about expression in corporate worship. There's something about it. There's something freeing about it. It has a power that's really unexplainable. It evokes freedom in us individually and in our congregation. And let me let you in on something too. I mean, when you express yourself, you know what that does? It inspires other people to express themselves. 
It's something like when somebody starts to clap, it only takes one person, right? It's like somebody's in the back and then everybody joins in. You know, same thing with any kind of expression in worship. There's just something about it. There's a freedom about it. In Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Jesus has made us free. And I guess, I guess we have to ask ourselves, are we acting like free people? You know, are we enjoying our freedom? Are we taking advantage of our freedom? Especially since the Bible has let us in on those kinds of expression. You know, when you express yourself physically in worship, you know what you're doing? You're boldly proclaiming your love for God. Why is it that, I'm just going to pick on church people a little bit. Why is it that church people can go to a game and have no problem expressing their love for a team, but for whatever reason we come to church and we say, yeah, that's not appropriate. That's, yeah, I, I, I don't. And maybe you grew up in a church like that. I certainly did where they actually told me it was wrong. And I remember just reading the Bible and figuring out what was wrong and what was right and being a little ticked when I found out, hey, I could do this and that. And the, the Bible told me this because I was missing out on all that freedom. But I'm here to tell you today, you have permission, not from me, but from God. To express your love for him. To express it boldly. And you know, what, you know what happens when a church becomes an expressive church? They let the world know they love God. Wouldn't it be great when people come to Orchard Church that we are known, not only for our biblical stance, but for our expressive worship? When they come in and they say, man, that church worships the Lord. They know how to worship the Lord, man. How great would that reputation be? Everyone, listen to this, everyone has something that gets them going. Would you agree? You may be a quiet person, but something will get you going eventually. Something will push you to the point of expression. You know, we think about all kinds of things. You got money, people get, get excited about money or possession, material things, houses, cars. Politics is a big thing. That gets people really going sometimes. And then you have sports, of course. I, I, you know, you go to the Rockies game, Seventh inning stretch, they play Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and then after that they play this song. Do anybody know what the song is? Hey Baby, yeah, Hey Baby. And it's hard to look around and not see somebody at least dancing or moving their hips or getting into a little bit or singing and getting excited. It's just something about that moment that gets people going. And we all have that something that gets us to the point of expression, but let me give you a challenge this morning and a question. Why can't? That something be God. Let me give you another question. Why isn't that something God? If we can get excited and expressive about all these things, shouldn't we be as or more excited about the creator of the universe, the lover of our hearts, the savior of the world? Man, we got a lot to be excited about. Amen, church? Why can't that something be God. You know, growing up and uh, as a young worship leader, I was just hungry uh, for books and just trying to learn about what is worship leading. And my favorite author is Jack Hayford. He taught me a lot about worship through his books. And he said this uh, in his book, Worship is Majesty. He said, it's unfortunate that reverence has become synonymous with silence. 
To the contrary, there are some situations in which the least appropriate response is silence. And what he was saying there is basically, sometimes we can be irreverent in our silence. When we don't express our love for God, that can be irreverent at times. The celebration of God's loving kindness, power, and faithfulness should inspire praiseful expressiveness. Rick Warren said this, Passive worship is an oxymoron. It doesn't make any sense. Passive worship. Let me read you some scriptures. Psalm, Psalm 47 verse 1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 95 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 101 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord. And Psalm 134 verse 2 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I want you to notice something about these verses I just read, and there's many, many more that I didn't read. These are not suggestions. These are mandates from the Lord. These are commands. These are directions. These are, this is God saying, this is how you will worship me. And it's a beautiful thing. Once you free yourself up to that, once you accept it, once you open yourself up and accept the freedom that God has given us and use these biblically mandated expressions to God in corporate worship, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. So may we have the heart as a church of these people in Nehemiah chapter 8. Deprived of the word of God, coming, ready, thirsty, attentive, ready to respond to God's word, to his power, to his presence. Said they lifted up their hands to him. You know what this is the universal symbol of, everybody? Universal symbol. Anybody know? Surrender. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think that's a coincidence. I surrender to you, God. May we come in with that heart of worship and surrender. And at the heart of worship, I've read many times, is surrender. That's at the heart of worship. Surrender to the fact that corporate worship in church isn't about me. It's not about me. It's about God. And you know what? It's so much about God that I can't even make it about God because it's already about God. God is the center. It's, he's so much the center that I can't make God the center. He is the center. It's about recognizing that he is the center and it's about him. It's surrendering to that fact of who he is. I said this at the beginning of the message and I want you to remember it. I'll put it on the screen again. If God is to work in and through his people, they must respond positively to his word. And everybody, worship is a response. It's a response. So my question for you, for me, for all of us today is, how will we respond today? We've heard his word. We've heard the message. Are we going to examine our hearts? Are we going to come in this place expecting God to do great things week after week? Are we going to exude and ooze out our love for God so much that we can't hold it in, that we just have to express our adoration to the almighty God? You know, God is the center. It's about Him. There's nothing we can do to change that. 
And you know what else? God will be praised. God is praised. God is being praised even as we speak. That's not a question. The question is, are we going to join in on that? Are we going to get on the ride for that? Are we going to join the praise of the God who is praised? May we surrender to that this morning. May we respond to His word, His presence, His power in our life and respond with worship to the Creator and not the creation. May we do that. Let's, let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. I really just want to pray for our church today. As I've challenged you, I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for all of us individually and as a church. That we could come in this place with more and more a surrendered heart. A heart that's been with God during the week, that's examined, examined each, each other's self and just is expecting amazing things from God. May we, may we have a surrendered heart to His Word. May we have a surrendered heart to who God is. And may we have a surrendered heart to worship Him with all of our being. May we have that heart of the people, Nehemiah 8, hungry, thirsty, attentive, expecting, ready to worship the Lord. If that's you this morning, you say, Gary, that's me. I want to have more of a surrendered heart. I need to have more of a surrendered heart uh, when it comes to this idea of worship. Would you just raise your hand this morning nice and high? Yep, yep, many, many, many people. Let me just pray for all of us this morning. God, we, we come to you humbly this morning. We ask uh, for your power presence in our life, Lord. We'll recognize that. Lord, that we'll surrender with all of our heart to your word. We'll surrender to who you are. And we'll finally just surrender to worship you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We thank you, God, that we can even stand in your presence. Thank you, God, that we can even sing songs to you, that we can even read your word and hear from from you each week. Thank you that we can gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ in the name of Jesus. God, may we not take it for granted anymore. May we take advantage of it. May we love you. May we focus on you. May we recognize that it's not about us, Lord, but that it's all about you. That's our heart today. Heads bowed and eyes still closed. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that the only way to the Father is through Him. That means the only way we can know the Father, the only way we can commune with the Father, the only way we can even pray to the Father, the only way we can worship the Father is through Jesus Christ and all He's done for us. And you may be here this morning, you've never ever really surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him you've never accepted him as your savior well this morning you can do that this morning you can change your life forever you can become a worshiper of the father by accepting Jesus in your life that's you this morning you say Gary I'm ready I'm ready to surrender my life finally to Jesus I need him more than ever that's you this morning just raise your hand yeah I surrender my life to him I want to surrender my life to Him. Finally accept Him as my Savior. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray this simple prayer. You can, you can pray it after me from your heart to God's heart and accept Jesus as your Savior today. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know I fall short. But I believe in you. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you died and rose. And you did it all to save my soul and to glorify the Father. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come come into my life and save me today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for saving me, and for forgiving me. All God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate what God's done in here today? Amen. Well, if you accepted Christ this morning, we want to know about that. So if you will, just mark that on your connection card, and we'll follow up with you with a free book, and uh, just want to help you start your journey correctly. If this is your first time with us this morning, if you will, just drop that connection card in the offering bucket as it goes by during this last song. And uh, we just want to say thanks for worshiping with us, and uh, we appreciate you coming together today. Well, church, are you ready to respond this morning? We'll stand together. Let's respond to him through song, through our offering, through our gifts. Let's worship the Lord together, church.